that their hearts would see you for who you truly are. Lord, that you deserve the honour, all the praise, all the glory. Lord, we want to see such a holy reverence for your name in this house. Lord, that we would be so sensitive. Lord, that you can have your way. And fill every heart with your presence. to an overflowing understanding of your love, your great love for each one of us. That's why it's never too much to worship you, Lord. Never too much to thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, we'll spend eternity thanking you for what you've done, so why not start right now, I believe. Father, we just thank you so much that we want to give our hearts completely to you. Lord, we want to be surrendered to you in every area of our life so that you can have your way and show us the things that you've got planned, the things that you have prepared for this end time generation, the things that you're going to show us so clearly that we walk in the ways of your spirit so that we will be a people led and guided by your spirit and we'll be walking in all truth nothing but the truth. So help us, God, for we want to know you. We want to know you in all truth. We want to know your spirit. We want to know your ways. We want to hear your voice. So Holy Spirit, open our hearts. Lord, do a work of your spirit right now in the heart of every person that there'd be an enlightening, there'd be a quickening of your spirit so that we would see just how worthy you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I, I had a few thoughts um, around our offerings. I'd like to share them with you this morning. Um, I, I think God is going to open our eyes in a way that we get a greater understanding of his love. That we're actually people of his love. We are a product of his love. And we are still in production, but he sees the, the end result. So he has such a confidence in you and I that if we just stay in the place that he wants us, that he's placed us, that he's, that he's leading us into, he'll, he'll complete the work. And he says that in his scriptures. He says, the work that I've begun, I'm going to complete it. Just trust me. Sometimes it's, it, it sort of feels like, Lord, have you forgotten? <laughs> I, I know you said to things to me in the past, but it doesn't seem like God said, no, trust me. Because everything that's happening... There's a plan and a purpose for God to reveal more of himself no matter what the circumstantial situation. The enemy's trying to frustrate. The enemy's trying to, to, to stop the work of God in your heart by bringing uh, thoughts that are not in line with the truth. They may, be, they may be thoughts in line with your feelings. 
They may be thoughts in line with what you're seeing in the natural, but they're not the truth. According to the word of God, this is a truth, and God says who you are in Christ. And that's why he goes to the trouble of, of, of sharing his word with us so that we get uh, encouragement and, and get the, the, the stirring within to I can keep going. No, no matter what the enemy's trying to stop me from doing, I've got a word from God, I've got a promise from God, and I'm going to be in the place where God can fulfill his word. See, it's a partnership. He, he wants to, and sometimes people think, well, God showed me this and he never did it, but did we do our part? Did we place ourselves in the position that God needed us to be in so that he could fulfill his work? Or did we get discouraged? See, it's easy to get discouraged. Anyone can do that. Any dead fish can float downstream. Have you heard that? It doesn't take any effort at all. But if you understand... God has given you a word and he wants to fulfill that word in your heart. But the word of the Lord tried Joseph. It's not going to be any different for you or me. The word that we have has got supernatural promises on it and God's going to bring it to pass, but we have to remain in the place where he can mold us and make us into the vessel he says we are. It's not about my effort, it's about my yielded heart. If I just keep my heart soft before him and let my love for Jesus be all-consuming, he will complete the work. And the work that is working in you is producing a maturity so that you can be a vessel of, of great influence for the great influx. Oh, I like that. Great influence for the great influx because it's coming, it's happening. And God needs people who are, who are solid in him, reliable, trustworthy, that he can give more to so that they can distribute to others in need. You're going to be a vessel of his glory. I like that one too. You're going to be a, a, a I've said it before, a, a vessel that he flows through. And he wants to flow into you in a greater dimension so that you can be absolutely amazed at what he's doing through you. Because that is the buzz. When you recognize what God's doing in others, it's, it's great. We see that. But when God actually uses you as a yielded vessel to flow through, that's a buzz. Imagine you laying your hands on somebody and seeing a miraculous healing. That's great for the person, but you get a buzz out of it. You begin to feel the power and presence of God is so real, and you think, oh, I want to see that, Lord. Just keep your heart and you will. Guard your heart from, the, from the, the lies and the slander of the enemy and he's going to bring you into a place of, of unity with him where you're going to be in a oneness that nothing else around is going to influence you or move you away from the truth because God has planted you on the truth and he's established the truth and it's causing a growth in him that you're going to be so, I know, I know my God. This isn't what I was going to say when I... I this just happens, doesn't it? 
Anyway, this verse that I had that I wanted to share with you, and I felt it was really for this morning. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians. You might say, well, I think I've heard that verse before. I bet you have. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a well-known chapter, often referred to as the love chapter. And the, the little heading I have on my passion translation is love, the motivation of our lives. If love is not motivating you, what is? That's a good question. If love is not my motivation, what is motivating me? Well, if I could just remember that every day, that would keep me on track. If love is not the motivating force in everything I'm doing, what's motivating me? That's a simple little question. Is, is, am I moving in love? Good question. The verse I wanted to read is verse 3. It says, if I was so, oh, sorry, if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body <laughs> to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing in value. What would be my motivation if I gave everything I had to feed the poor? What a good person that is. If I offered myself to be a martyr, burned as a martyr, oh, we need to build some monument to that person, they were burned as a martyr. Without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing. I think God's got a pretty strong emphasis on the need to be motivated by love. When he has the church in that frame of mind, in that position, can you imagine what he's going to do? See, that was the motivation of Jesus. And look at the people he drew to love personified. If we allow the Holy Spirit to reproduce within us the love of Jesus, because he's in here, 
If we just let him have his way, how do we do that? We keep our eyes on him. Am I motivated by love? That's how you keep your eyes on him. Just ask yourself, am I motivated by love? Is Jesus the one I'm living for? Is he worth it? Is he worth you actually saying, I'm going to purpose to live for him? Does he have that place in your heart? Have you come into that love relationship with him where nothing is too much for you, Lord? Just get a picture of him on the cross. Is anything too much to ask to be motivated by love? Let love be the thing that guides us in everything we do. I'd like to read another verse in the Gospel of Luke, Passion Translation again. Chapter 21. Jesus was in the temple observing all the wealthy wanting to be noticed as they came with their offerings. He noticed a very poor widow dropping two small copper coins in the offering box. Listen to me, he said. This poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on. Out of her poverty, she gave to God. Our offering can be spiritual. A natural, small, insignificant gift can be regarded by God as a spiritual act of worship and love coming from a heart of I trust you. I can see no other motivation for giving the last of what you had to God other than I trust you. So our offering can be an expression of our love for Jesus. But it gets back to the focus of our heart in what we're doing. And if we're motivated by love and we're led by the Holy Spirit in our giving what to do, and it's simple. You just say, Lord, what do you want me to give? When I was reading these verses, it it really impacted me 
And, and this is what I find with Scripture, although I know them and I can quote them, when I read them with a heart that's just open, Lord, show me. It's like he just makes things fresh again. And a renewing of, of why I'm... See, I, I like to know why I'm doing something. Nothing just happens with me. Something's happened to me, but nothing just happens. There's always a reason for why I do what I do. And I want to know in my heart that I'm not just getting into a mechanical form of operating out of habit. Offering's a good habit to get into, but I want to be doing it out of a fresh love experience where I know I'm honouring him. I'm doing it because I love Jesus. I could buy myself another Tommy shirt. But I make that sacrifice. I give it to Jesus. That's simple, isn't it? I mean, I could. I could go and buy myself another Tommy shirt. Another Tommy shoes. I like Tommy. Sorry. But when I was thinking about the offering, I I often tend to daydream a little bit while I'm in the scriptures. I just sort of stop and listen. And this is what I was hearing. When our focus in life is Jesus, with everything we do, he floods our soul in goodness. And the goodness of God is everything. That's what God showed Moses when Moses was asking to see the glory. And his face was a revelation of the glory of God. See, his goodness, the scripture says, leads us to repentance. So if our focus is on Jesus and he's filling our soul with goodness, he'll keep our heart in an attitude of repentance and we won't do anything to offend the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit can keep us right on track. And he's the one who's got the open line. We've all got an open line through him. But he sees and knows what the Father's saying and doing and tells us. And and this focus of of goodness in the soul, the the flooding, that's scriptural. He said this is destiny's divine decree. In other words, the future that God has spoken comes into our soul through the goodness of God when we focus on Jesus. There's been a divine decree over you, what God has spoken, and it's the goodness of God filling your heart. And when love is the motivation and God fills your heart, life is complete. Father, we just thank you for everything you do for us. Out of love. Out of your love for us, Lord, and we thank you so much. And we ask that you would just help each one of us to understand the depth of that love and to walk in that unity of faith with you 
where we have our eyes on you in everything we do. And we thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter whether you're giving cash in a box, doing a digital transaction, whatever you're doing, do it as unto him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Good morning. I've got a new book, so I can keep going. Look at all the pages. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh boy, yeah, plenty coming. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to turn to Second Corinthians chapter two, please. Second Corinthians chapter two. No, it might be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That will be better. You know, God wants us spiritually attuned. Okay, you can have a vehicle and it can be the greatest vehicle that, you know, that, that has ever been designed. If it's not tuned properly... It's, it's going to run like a truck. might be a sports car, but it's going to run like a truck. We need to be spiritually attuned. And God's given us everything that is required for that to be the case. Now, um, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul starts off and he's talking about um, the power... And the wisdom of God through Christ Jesus. And uh, a statement in there towards the end of chapter 1 more or less says that there will be no flesh that glories in his presence. And we've heard a little bit about that already. There's no flesh that will glory in his presence because it is an act of God. It's what God does within us. It's his power that works within us. We, had, we need to be available, but it's, it's, it's His. It's His Holy Spirit. It's His Word that operates within us as we're open, open to that. So there's, there's, there's going to be no flesh that will glory in His, in his presence. And just before we get into, into chapter 2, I've got a couple of questions too. How do we know what is real? How do you know what is real? Someone might say, well, it's because I live it. We we all live a life. Is your life real? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm living, I'm here, it's here, I'm here, I'm living a real life. Do you think people can live or believe a lie? Yeah, yeah, we can. Now, some are obvious and some are not. Some lies are out there and they are just, whoa, okay, <laughs> I, I, I know that one. But some are subtle. 
Some lies are very subtle. So if I put to you, what is more true? The natural or the spiritual? What is more true? More in, in inverted commas. What is more true? What is natural or what is spiritual? Now for the most part of, pop, of, of the population of the planet, we see the natural. Where did the natural come from? <laughs> it came from the spiritual realm. When all is said and done, right down at the very back of the book and, 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 and the natural time is finished and everything is changed, the natural is gone, what will be left? What will still be? Spiritual. Now, can you just, just an indication by hand so I, I know how, how far to go with this. How many people have seen the movie called The Matrix? Okay, thank you. All right. I'm just going to give you a real brief of that movie and, uh, and we'll go from there. So the premise of this movie, well, this movie starts off with this man living his life. He's just living his life. And every now and again, there's a, is it like a, a deja vu moment or it's sort of like a, he, he thinks, oh, what's going on? It's a glitch. And, uh, and he thinks, what, what is going on? He starts questioning. What, what is this around me? What, what is happening? And uh, anyway, um, things, things happen. Um, but then it gets really weird. It's a science fiction movie. And it gets really weird because um, all humanity has been plugged into an AI system and it's the, it's the mind power of all humanity or the life force of all humanity that's, that's creating energy for this, you know, all the machines. And anyway, this guy gets unplugged and he gets spat out of his, his um, cocoon thing that is keeping him alive and, uh, and, the, and then the movie, you know, it's just the unpacking of, of, of all... All, all this, and it just I, when I saw that movie the first time I saw that well I've only seen it once <laughs> it disturbed me. I couldn't work out. I mean I've seen some interesting interesting movies. This one disturbed me, and I couldn't work out what it was that was disturbing me. <laughs> it actually disturbed my spirit. I can say that now. <laughs> Didn't understand it back then. I what you know? I've seen science fiction movies. This one disturbed me. And you think, well, yeah, this person—they thought they were living a, a life, and it was a lie, a complete lie, complete just. Hmm. <laughs> You know, there is so much that we experience that we, we base, you know, we're living our life. Yes, 
you know, it's, we're, we're, we're living in, 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 a, in, in truth, we think. What, what's our understanding based on? Well, that's what, that's what I grew up understanding and learning. That's what I was taught. Those are the things that, that you know, I've, okay, I've, and we all do. We, we, we don't, don't we? we? We live, we learn, and we think, okay, that bit is true. I'll just pack that aside because, you know, I can't keep my head full of everything. So that's now, that's now okay, well, it might be an assumption that, all right, uh, all people are, you know, uh, basically good. That's an assumption. I'll just put that aside, okay? Um, um, you know, people are out to, to help me. Institutions, you know, the, 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 the government and, and all, the, all the rest, they're, they're, they're actually there for my good. That's an assumption. I'll just, I'll just pack that in my back pocket. And, and then I will look at things in a certain way because that's an assumption that I have taken on board. That's something that I have believed and then I, I look at other things and, and I'll, I'll, I'll feed that through that lens of the assumptions that I have already made. Which is why we can live deceived in certain areas. And God doesn't want that to be the case. So let's have a look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, obviously. And I'm going to read it um, from the Passion Translation. And I think I need to get a Passion Translation. I still love my New King James Bible. but Because uh, I don't like reading off my phone. <laughs> Just quietly. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. New King James Version says, Christ and him crucified. That's the message that Paul brought to the Corinthian church. That's the thing that was central to everything that he was giving them. And they had gifts operating. They had some toys to play with there. They had received things. But Paul said, this is the central part. This is what is important. Without this, nothing else matters. Christ and him crucified. Verse 3, I stood before you feeling inadequate, <laughs> filled with reverence for God and, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. That's the fear of God. He came with the fear of God operating in his heart because he knew that the words that he spoke carried life or death and he wanted only to speak life into these people and for them to get it. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting his almighty power. 
And verse 4 says, demonstration in the New King James, demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It's going to be something that's operating so vividly, so undeniably through his body. It's the mandate that we've been given. Not fancy words, not fancy arguments, but the power and demonstration of the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. However, there's always a however in there. (laughs) Verse 6. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Those rulers were in the process of being dethroned then, and I tell you what, there's rulers in this world right now who are in the process of being dethroned. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood us. That's a good... (laughs) Uh, For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. (laughs) Is the word of God true? (laughs) Yes. What's that saying? There are things that God is going to bring for his people to to both enjoy but to operate that haven't even entered our imagination. Who's got a good imagination? Yeah, he has. (laughs) There's some people who've got good imaginations. There are things that God has for us that have not even entered our imaginations. Yet, (laughs) God is unlimited. He's unlimited. And he wants us to be in that space where we don't put limits on his unlimited power that he wants to operate through us. We've got to get it. We've got to receive the love of God. And you say, well, look, look, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. And, you know, I have received the love of God. Yes. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Can that grow? Can you grow in love for somebody? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> you better believe it. I love my wife now, more now than... When I first married her. <laughs> it's supposed to be that way. 
We're supposed to grow in love. And who's the greatest one we can love? It's Jesus. And if our relationships are based on the love of Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God. (laughs) The many things that God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by his spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. The natural senses will not allow you to grasp the mystery. But God now unveils the reality of all these things by his spirit. They're not supposed to remain a mystery. The mystery of God is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul Paul unpacks that. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Where are we up to? (laughs) After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace all that grace has, has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. (laughs) For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counsellor? The uh, New King James um, Version in verse 16 says that we have the mind of Christ. It has been given to us. Do we use it always? That word mind in that, uh, in that, in that verse in, New King, uh, in the New King James, we have the mind of Christ, verse 16. That's how it ends. I looked up that word mind and it just... The, 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 the um, definition is intellect. That is the mind. In brackets, divine or human thought, feeling and will. Did you get that? Divine or human. The mind. Divine or human. 
we can have the divine or we can be stuck with just our human mind, will and emotions. That's our soul realm. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to take us out of that space of being, being stuck in a, in a natural way of thinking on all the presuppositions that, that you know, we, we build up through life. He wants us to be transformed into a divine space that we understand, we can receive what he's saying. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense to my natural mind. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ rose from the dead after being dead for three days. Filter that through your natural mind. Jesus walked on a body of water and didn't sink. Well, that doesn't make sense. If we really look at what's in the, in the scriptures, do, do I really believe that? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thrown into a, a burning furnace <laughs> and, and walk around in it and walk out of it and the fire hasn't touched them. Well, that couldn't happen. We get to choose. We get to choose. Are we going to believe what God says? And through that, experience what God has. Or are we going to say, mm, yeah, no, too hard basket. Sorry. Verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, Paul's saying that the natural man cannot receive it. Sometimes, just hold your words. It's that whole casting pearls before swine. Don't do it. Don't do it. That can be a, well, that is, that's a, that's a spiritual discernment in itself. And, and I, I say that that's a spiritual discernment because sometimes the people that are, are giving the most opposition are the ones that are the closest to salvation. <laughs> so you've got to actually discern by the Spirit and not look at that in just a natural, in a natural way. Let's have a look at some examples because examples are good. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Book of Matthew chapter 16. 
This is out of the New King James Version. Start at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, let's just have a think for a minute. Why did, why do, did people have those thoughts about Jesus? The thoughts were that he may have been um, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Why? (laughs) They had seen some of the things that he had done. They had seen them with their natural eyes. They had seen some of the things that, that he had done. So they're filtering through their little package of, of what I know and they oh yeah um, I, think Eli- I think Elijah did some, th- something like that and I think oh, Jeremiah may have said some of those things etc so they were looking yeah, they were wanting to know they were looking and, and saying oh, it c- could be this or it could be that he could be this or he could be that verse 15 he said to them but who do you say that I am Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He got a spiritual understanding. He got a, 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 a download from the Spirit of God. My Father has revealed that to you. you that, that information didn't come from your, your natural thinking. Hallelujah. Peter would have been feeling pretty good about himself, I think. Because he goes on, and I say to you, on, and I say to you that on, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. He wasn't going to build his church on Peter. If you have a look at the different parts of that, Peter is a little lump of rock. Um, On this rock, which was the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ, it was like the rock of Gibraltar, um, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, etc. So... He would have been feeling pretty good because he'd received a revelation. Let's pick it up in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will not happen to you. But he turned to and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offence to me. <laughs> For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Same person. Same person. What was happening there with, with Peter? He was looking at his Lord and saying, I want you here. I want to be with you. 
I am fearful of what you are saying, it's not going to happen. He was looking at the natural circumstance. He was looking at things from a natural point of view and saying, no, that does not agree with my understanding inside this box. That can't happen. And he was rebuked. Get behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus was not saying that Peter was Satan. He was not saying that. What was he saying? Where did that thought come from into Peter's thinking? Yeah. A spirit. He was, he, was, he was rebuking the spirit. Get behind me, Satan. It was a rebuke to Peter. It was a, come on, who are you listening to? Who are you allowing to influence your heart right now? There are so many. There are so many of these through Scripture. Um, I'd like to turn to Numbers chapter 14. An Old Testament example. I've, I've said this before, that... Um, Spirits are eternal. The spirits, when they were, when they were created by God, they, they, you know, they, they didn't have a, a use-by date. Well, they will, but <laughs> um, uh, so to speak. Um, but they, they are eternal beings. So they're not hum, human. They don't live for however many years and then whatever. They stick around. They need a host... They're always looking for a host. So the things that we see all the way through the, the recorded history in Scripture, those spirits could be the same spirits that are affecting, well, they are, that are affecting people today that were doing their job then because they just need to find a new uh, host every now and again. So Numbers chapter 14. Now... To, to set the scene that the 12 spies had gone into um, the land of Canaan to spy out the land. They'd done their job, um, brought back the fruit, all the rest of it. And they had spoken to the people. Ten of those spies said, we cannot do what God has said and go in and invade this land. The people are too big, you know. We, we felt like grasshoppers in their, in their sight and that's, what they, that, that's how they were looking at us. We can't do it. Two said, we can certainly do this. But what, what happens? So often, people listen to the bigger number. The bigger number of people reporting. Or look at the, at the natural. And, and verse... Um, Oh, start in verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. I mean, you know, whatever. 
Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Oh, really? Really? They had spent generations living as slaves. And that's all they knew. Living as slaves. And the burdens that, that Pharaoh had put upon them, they were, they were massive. They were not living their best life. It was not fun. And yet there where they were, they've come out blessed because God is, 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 you know, they came out with silver and gold and clothes and all, all manner of things because that's what, um, that's what God um, gave them on the way out. The, the, the Egyptians gave them all these things. And now, after a fairly um, a short period of time, they're, they're wanting to go back to bondage. They're wanting to go back into that situation. It, it's, hard to, it, it's hard to comprehend. But they're looking at, at, at that maybe and saying, well, we were, we were, we were, we were safe. In Egypt, we, we, we did have some food. We didn't have to face anybody and fight anybody. We had to do what the, what the taskmasters told us to do. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't actually have to fight. We could just comply. And, you know, life wouldn't be too bad. So, verse 4. So they said to one another... Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Democracy is not a concept that you see working well through Scripture. It's not in there. Let us select a leader and let us return and be slaves good plan good plan then Moses and Aaron this is the heart <laughs> this is the heart of leadership true leadership then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel <laughs> but Joshua, the son of Nun, <laughs> and Caleb, the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. <laughs> and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will give us. you get it? He will give us. He will give us. He will bring it to us. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord 
is with us. Do not fear them. Do not. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. They didn't like that message. We've got to stone these ones with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the... They put an end to that. The glory of God appeared. They said, yeah, no, that's enough. (laughs) There's coming a time where God says... That's enough. There are things for the church to do. To be involved in that great harvest of souls. And we can look in the natural and we can see all the ridiculousness that is our society and all the evil influences that are so penetrating into every aspect of our societies. And we can say, whoa, this is so bad. And it's not good. It's not good. But do we think God will not respond? These people, they looked at the natural circumstances. They looked at, well, they heard the reports. It's interesting when a report comes to you and you haven't actually seen it yourself. When a report comes to you, it can be interpreted by the people giving the report. It's not necessarily true. But they were affected, and they were affected by fear. They looked at the natural circumstances, size of the opposition as reported by the, by the uh, ten spies. They looked at the natural circumstances, and, and they believed that, and that gave an opportunity for fear to come in. So there is two responses. A natural one focusing on the size of the opposition in this situation or a spiritual one focusing on the power of God. Can I say that there are so many things that have happened through scripture, have happened through history, are happening now that that can be our response as well. We can focus on what the enemy is doing and how loudly he is roaring. Remember, he's not a lion. He's like, he goes around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Or we can focus on the one who is the lion. <laughs> the lion of the tribe of Judah. And believe what he's saying. Uh, Coral brought this verse to my attention um, last week, early last week. 
It's Colossians 2 verse 8. I'm just going to read it. It's out of the Passion Translation. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world's system and not on the anointed truths of the anointed one. Wow. Wow. So that's great. I've, I've, I've talked about being spiritually tuned, but okay, so you might be thinking, well, well, how? How? How do we increase in spiritual wisdom? Because we all need to increase in spiritual wisdom. Each and every one of us. None of us are there yet. You know, the enemy can still bring sometimes things along that you think, whoa, okay, that one got me for uh, five minutes. Um, So how do we do it? Well, James chapter 1. I have three things here. James chapter 1. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's verse 5, but it's profiting from trials. <laughs> it's that lovely scripture. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you know we have to actually go through stuff? We actually have to go through stuff. And God is producing through that in us something that he can use. Something that a person, he is developing a person he can trust. Because we have been faithful in those things. We have trusted him through the muck. Hallelujah. But verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So asking is the first point of call, port, port of call. We ask God, God, I am not sure about this. I don't know. Help me. Show me. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it, and it will be given to him, but it comes with a warning. But Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What, What is that talking about? It says we can ask God for wisdom. We can ask for spiritual wisdom. But don't doubt. So what is that? Fear and faith will not work together. They are mutually exclusive. They are at polar ends. They are so different. Faith is believing what God says. We we could put it like that. Fear is believing what the enemy says. They both will have a result. They will both produce, you see the spies, 
what effect they had on the, on, the, on the children of Israel. It produced, you know, the, the negative produced automatically and it had to wait 40 years for the, for the positive for those two fellows, Joshua and Caleb, to <laughs> go into the promised land and, and take the next generation in after them. They will both produce. So fear and faith will not work together. So when we ask for wisdom, we ask in faith and then speak fear, not going to happen. It's not happening. We will receive nothing. We will receive nothing. There has to be a consistency in what we ask for and then what we both focus on and speak. You can't say, I'm believing God and speak fear and speak unbelief. It doesn't work. That's being double-minded. Yes, God, I believe you, but... Well... So asking in faith... Asking in faith and guard your mouth, guard your heart, guard your mouth. If you think something's going to come out there that's not in faith, just bite your tongue. You'll, we'll, we'll learn quick enough. Oh, that hurt. Better to bite your tongue than come out with something that's opposed to what God says. Philippians. Chapter 1 and verse 9. I'll just read this verse. This is Paul again. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And I pray, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So what's the, the, what's the second part? It's growing in love. Growing in love, growing in love for Jesus Christ brings you into revelation and spiritual insight. Our love walk, our love walk, our love walk for Jesus, our total dependence on him, devotion to him will bring us into a greater level of spiritual revelation. And the last one of the three I've got here is, is out of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 to 14. If you're taking notes. This is a bit of a rebuke. In verse 12 it says... Um, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or mature, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There is a, 
a reason of use. What's that talking about? Reason of use. Reason of use. Reason of use. Is, is this something that we pick up on a Sunday morning and bring along? Maybe. Or is this something that we use? Is this something that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to write upon our heart? Do we, do we rest upon what we th- think we already know and, and say, okay, yeah, I know those things, I've squared them away and that's all good? Or do we allow God to keep speaking to us? Give him more to work with. God wants to write this on our, on our heart. Are we, are we helping in that process? Are we allowing him to do that? Now, I was just thinking about the, the, the two, a baby and mature. A baby has to be fed by somebody. You get a natural little baby. They, ha- they actually have to have someone feed them. It's the, it's the only input is our only input from the Word of God on a Sunday morning when we, or whatever meeting we are when we're, somebody is sharing. This should be a starting point to get into the Word of God and explore further. Because how much can you do on an hour on a Sunday morning? Really? Sure, it can be a, it can, it, it's, that's a start, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, a starting point. It's not the, it's, it's, if that's all it is in our, in our experience, sorry. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> it's, it's reality. We are, we are babies. A mature person feeds themselves. A baby has to be fed by somebody. A mature person feeds themselves. So we've got those three things. We need to ask God because he's one that will give us all that we need. We need to make sure that love is the absolute central element of everything that we do. We've heard that this morning. And we need to give God something to work with. We need to be feeding on what he's got for us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. We've got some... Yeah, they good? Aren't those little people good? That's magnificent. Um, we're going to have... Um, we're going to have communion and then we... Oh, yeah. So if you haven't got your, your uh, communion, they are up there. Um, Mel's coming. How good. Have you got your communion? Amazing. What was that? 
I am I am pro level communion. I learn through doing. So I deliberately do other people's communion once a week so that I've reached pro level. I'm running classes if you'd like to join me. Do you know, listening uh, this morning to Jeff and to Tim, um, you would think they were sitting in the back row on Friday night listening to what we spoke about because we were unpacking the difference between knowledge and understanding and actually experiencing God. God gives us opportunities to know about him and we can read the stories in the scripture from that understanding of it's a story in a book. But to actually have a mindset of, hold up, what were those people thinking at that time? What were they partnering with? And, um, and where do they really stand in their faith? Um, that's an opportunity for us to ask God for an experience for ourselves. You know, we could talk about healing or we could have an experience of healing. And I reckon if you experience healing, you're going to be talking about it till the cows come home. But if we preach a message about healing, you'll probably go home and go, that was a nice message. And, um, you know, talking during the week to people across different churches um, and in here as well. We're entering to a season where God is about experience and you actually have to want to rock up and you have to set yourself aside and you have to seek after him for an experience. And so communion's an opportunity. It's not the only opportunity, but it's an opportunity. You know, and sometimes because we do this each week, it can become the religious thing that we do. But actually, we deliberately do it every week because it's an opportunity for an experience of who he is. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion together. Father, I just thank you that this is an opportunity to experience you this morning. Father, I thank you. Um, for the words that Tim and Jeff have shared with us this morning. And God, I thank you particularly that Tim said we have to go through stuff. It's in the going through stuff that we experience who you are. And so we just thank you that that comes from a place because you went through stuff for us and you made a way first for us. And so we just thank you for your life laid down. Father, we thank you for your broken body that made a way for us to have relationship with the Father. And so we just take this bread now and acknowledge um, the sacrifice and the price paid, but we acknowledge that it's so we can come on a journey with you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and we just thank you for your blood poured out. We thank you it was poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. And we thank you that that's not words on a page, but that is an experience. Father, I thank you that there's a transaction when sin leaves, 
your Holy Spirit comes. And so we just ask even this morning, a fresh Holy Spirit pour out on this place that people would experience you this morning. In Jesus' name. Now, Coral's going to come up. Okay, so this morning, got Hannah and Hudson are going to come up. Hannah's going to come up and tell us about what we've been learning about in Kingdom Kids out the back. And then we've got something to show you, all right? Um, we've been learning about A, B, C, D. A is for always, so prophecy a is for always b is for build up and c is for cheer up and d is for draw near yes so we made that's what prophecy always does it always builds up cheers up and draws people to god so come down the front these people we're talking about cheering today cheering people on so we've got our cheerleaders hey. with us here they come here they come yay woohoo woohoo Okay, now, you people that are sitting down, you might know this. Um, it's like a song rhyme, okay? You'll probably know it. But uh, if you want to join in, you can. How good. If you want a good start to your week, I'm just putting it out there. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in this building at 9am there's a chapel service. That goes on and you can't not leave this place happy and in the zone for a good day. If nothing else, you get to watch 30 people try and do the actions at the same time, which brings me great joy. All right. Having technological difficulties, Timothy. Could you help me, please? <laughs> Got the wrong email. It's all good. All righty. Some weekly announcements. Who has availed themselves this weekend of going to the Hope and Healing meetings that are on at Crook Street Hall at the moment with, forgotten his name. It's Len, but it's not Len. Thank you, Carl uh, and his wife. 
Carl and his wife are um, associate pastors, I believe, with CFAN. Um, so they're in town this afternoon. If you're not doing anything this evening, there is a service at 5pm. You can head to Crook Street Hall then. Uh, tomorrow we have coffee for our parents, our school parents and Kingdom Play Group. If you know of a family who um, are looking for a play group, 9am tomorrow and um, coffee starts at about 8.30. So make sure you pop here for that. Wednesday, what's Wednesday night? That was six people. <laughs> the six people that are usually at the prayer meeting. Wednesday night, 7.30, in here, we pray, you should come, it's always a great time. Thursday morning, there is a prayer meeting at 9.30, executive decision, 9.30, 9.30 this week in the William Room, because you're coming to chapel, you're coming in. 9am, 9am, William Room, this week, prayer meeting for the school community, that's always a really great time. This week is the men's night at Steve Nemitz House, 7.30, Thursday night, if you don't know where Steve lives and you want to go, find out where he lives, I don't know either. Uh, (laughs) Friday the 12th is youth here at um, 3.30. Can I just say a huge thank you? We have people that are consistently arriving to help me, Um, not necessarily during youth itself, but during the week. They're just touching base and saying, I've got an hour, what can I do? Um, It's really appreciated. Coral works very hard to do our kids ministry the same on the weekends so if you find yourself with an hour to spare during the week i am sure coral or myself could put you to amazing use with a laminator or a pair of scissors or something exciting beck learnt how to use the laminator this week and it was the highlight of her day until the holy spirit arrived and then it didn't mean a lot um Saturday the 27th of May, that's coming up, so a couple of weeks away. It is the National Day of Prayer and Fasting and there's events all across Australia. Some of them are online, some of them are in person. Um, Just a heads up that that is, oh, look at that, aren't we organised? There is a website, check the website for details there is some places in Bendigo is my understanding. So if you want to get along to something for that, keep your eyes on the website. Who's coming to church camp? Great. I'll book one cabin. <laughs> no, we've totally booked cabins for all of you. Um, so um, we would love to see you at camp. It is family friendly. So if you're in that space going, oh, I couldn't be bothered... Who knows, it's a bit hard sometimes bringing your family along to things. Be bothered and come. It's going to be an amazing time together. And we're all on Facebook, aren't we? Are we all on our... Tim's got technological difficulties on Facebook. Are we all in our Facebook community group? I'm pretty sure we've got most of you now. If we haven't got you, um, that's a really great space for you to see what's coming up. 
for us to get out last minute notices to you. So if you're not in that space, come and see Carol or myself and we'll make sure you are in it. Is that okay? Cool. Um, I think it would be remiss of us to finish a service like um, today without an opportunity for some people to pray for you. So Tim said, you know, maybe you're in the process of the going through stuff. Maybe you're just in that space where, um, do you know, it's really easy as Christians to have an encounter with God and camp around that encounter. And you can find yourself two months, two years, maybe 20 years down the track still reflecting on that encounter that you had. He's got fresh encounters every day. And so the, um, the looking up at that crack that I saw in the damn wall is enough of an invitation for him to go, I'm going to flood you. Because who knows if there's a crack in the damn wall, his Holy Spirit's already been released. Sure, we haven't seen the full impact of that yet, but the power of that thing has already been let loose. And so um, don't leave this space this morning if you're in a place where you're going, I actually need some of that. I need a powerful encounter and I need to know who he is. Come up the front and grab someone and we'll pray with you. If you don't need prayer, you may need coffee. That will be opened in a moment. Bless your stacks. See you next weekend.